And I would say, opinion, that the companies knew that Spike was toxic, unstable genetically, and similar to many human proteins with, with all the consequences that you would expect from that. In the design, there is nothing that limits how long the gene is uh, transcribed to make protein. It could be minutes, hours, days, years. There's, no, there's nothing about it that tells uh, us how long that will happen. We can't just say, oh, it'll be okay. What, how long is it going to last? They were not required to measure it. What, what they claim to have done, a consistent manufacturer, uh, is impossible. And the regulators know it's impossible. And it's clear to people who've read the regulatory interactions between the European Medicines Agency and Pfizer, that's the one I've actually seen because someone leaked it, in November 2024, example, the technical assessors at the EMA in Amsterdam had listed seven what are called MOs, major objections. And they're all related to the things I've just listed. They did not have control of the processes giving rise to consistent, pure material. Batches or lots are associated with 6,000 adverse effect event reports and some with a small handful. That's not possible to be due to differences in, in sensitivity, not across uh, one and a half million doses per, per batch. The average should be pretty much the same. And yet they're so different, there's got to be a reason. And the reason is it's not the same stuff in each, in each of the lots. So I would say it's a criminal manufacture. Uh, I'm afraid there is uh, whatever collusion, conspiracy between uh, the drug companies, the regulators and the, and the people uh, allowing them to move forward. So no, it can't possibly be a mistake. These are an entirely new kind of medical intervention. Although they've cunningly managed to disguise them under the word vaccine, they bear, the only thing they bear in common with traditional vaccines is the word. That's it. There's no other similarity. And so when someone says uh, you're being over-cautious about safety, I will tell you that with any new class of product, in fact, every individual version of a product of any new class, you have to establish the safety in trials. People's opinions are worthless, including my own. But the, the onus is on the part of the manufacturer to prove safety, not for me to prove that it's harmful, although they are harmful. Um, I think we've already talked very briefly about how, and I too actually state this, these, the design of these vaccines. So I'm a drug discoverer. I spent 32 years in R&D. And, and in toxicology training. So I think I can state, and you can believe me, being in that environment, these are what I would call toxic by design. That is, if you were discussing it around a whiteboard in a research office, by the time you've agreed to make a spike protein-based genetic vaccine, you know exactly what's going to happen. This is, so these are not rational design. They, they couldn't work, and they would likely carry risks. And you wouldn't be able to characterize the long-term outcomes. But they did it anyway. And these are clever people from you know, highly paid drug companies with decades of experience. So the, the three faults are, one, it expresses spike protein that's already been talked about without any modulation of that biology. Secondly, um, the spike is, again, genetically the least stable part of the virus. Again, that was mentioned by Alexandra. Um, thirdly, and no one's mentioned this yet, it's the part of the virus that's least different from humans. You really want to pick something that's very unique to the pathogen and very different from you. Why? 
because if you if there are similarities, familial similarities, then when you raise an immune response to the to this injected material, there's a possibility of autoimmunity. And in fact, I'm confident that that is occurring, and other people think so too. And I would say, opinion that the companies knew that the spike was toxic, unstable genetically, and similar to many human proteins with, with all the consequences that you would expect from that. Obviously, they're going to need to defend themselves, but I'm telling the general public that that's my view, and I've had it confirmed by other sort of veteran drug discoverers. Um, what else should we say? Yes, and uh, I think Secret and others talked about in the design, there is nothing that limits how long the gene is uh, transcribed to make protein. It could be minutes, hours, days, years. There's no, there's nothing about it that tells uh, us how long that will happen. We can't just say, oh, it'll be okay. What, how long is it going to last? They were not required to measure it. They were not required to measure it because they managed to persuade the regulators, or maybe they were corrupt, that these are, quotes vaccines, and they were allowed to proceed down a development pathway that's re relatively light in terms of obligations on the innovator, the drug companies. Really, it should have been classed as, uh, I would say, a, a genetic medicine where the obligations rightly are extremely onerous and would have taken a long time and certainly would have included measurements of how long they are producing spike for and where in the body, to Sucret's point, it's doing that. And they were not required to do either of those things. That's a catastrophic failure on the part of the regulators who knew fine what I'm saying is true because it's conventional. I've never seen an exception other than in vaccines where you do not have to study what's called pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. So they haven't done that. It should never be done again, by the way. You know, I, Bill Gates was quoted recently as saying, we were a bit too slow. Uh, Mr. Gates, you're not a drug discovery person. I think I've established, and I can back up what I've said, that in order to move into a public health uh, uh, you know, environment as to those billions of people, the highest obligation is safety, not even efficacy. And you can only do that by treating very large numbers of people and observing them for a long time. Not, not two and a half months. It's completely inadequate. So his suggestion that next time we'll get it done in six months, you must not let him do that. It's a completely inappropriate thing to do, and it's almost certainly going to be harmful. Um, again, um, moving on just to manufacture. Again, um, the uh, earlier colleague, um, I'm afraid I, I, she just left, uh, but she gave a good account of herself in explaining uh, that as the drug goes through as this vaccine goes through development it's necessary to demonstrate that you can manufacture the product consistently so that it is characterized as having in the vial what you say is in the vial now the clinical trials were, was done with relatively low quantities of material because they were going to dose a few tens of thousands of people at most um, but when you go into production instead of it being a few tens of thousands in total, it's going to be of the order of a billion doses, a billion doses. So this is orders of magnitude higher. What that implies, for people who don't know, is you can't use the same process for manufacturing the clinical material. It's going to be, you can't, you can't scale that up. So you have to start again and make an, an industrial scale process. When you do that, 
the stages required to characterize what you have made, that is the drug substance, the, the gene-based uh, material. And then when it's been formulated, what's called then the drug product, those two steps, drug substance and drug product, uh, require, uh, I would say, roughly half of the entire workforce of an R&D-based organization such as Pfizer. I work there. Roughly half the people are involved in that later stage of, of synthesis, manufacture, characterization, or all of that stuff. And the reason they've got 50% of their resources over there is it's very, very complicated. So the idea that they manufactured of the order of a billion doses and got all of those processes stabilized, characterized, inspected, agreed by the regulator is for the birds. They did not do those things because it's not possible to do them in under a small number of years, probably at least five years. So what, what they claim to have done, a consistent manufacturer, uh, is impossible. And the regulators know it's impossible. And it's clear to people who've read the regulatory interactions between the European Medicines Agency and Pfizer, that's the one I've actually seen because someone leaked it, in November 2024, example, the technical assessors at the EMA in Amsterdam had listed seven what are called MOs, major objections, and they're all related to the things I've just listed. They did not have control of the processes giving rise to consistent, pure material, and they didn't have control of what happened to it uh, between manufacture and formulation in these lipid nanoparticles that Secret mentioned. Uh, seven major objections. I can just to, just to give you an example. When I was at Pfizer, if someone had filed or the department of company had filed a new drug application, and even one major objection came up, heads would roll because it meant you'd not had had a dialogue with the regulators so that, as to understand what was required by them. So to have seven listed in November 2020, and then. No more than a few weeks later in December of that year, that vaccine product was given uh, whatever conditional marketing authorization, emergency use authorization. So I'll, I'll leave the listeners to decide for themselves, given what I've said to you about complexity, and I'm in close contact with people who have analogous to me in research have spent their whole life in that part of the pharmaceutical industry. Is it possible that all of those major objections were resolved? No, it's not. So what they have issued and rolled out and had injected into people are materials which, from batch to batch, vial to vial, syringe to syringe, they've got no idea what you're actually getting. And I think, I think that is probably a major contributor to the huge range of toxicity that we see in the database such as VAERS in the US. Some Batches or lots are associated with 6,000 adverse effect event reports and some with a small handful. That's not possible to be due to differences in, in sensitivity, not across uh, one and a half million doses per, per batch. The average should be pretty much the same. And yet they're so different, there's got to be a reason. And the reason is it's not the same stuff in each, in each of the lots. So I would say it's a criminal manufacture. Uh, the authorization by the European Medicines Agency and subsequently other global regulators, I think, uh, investigated because I think there's criminal level of collusion and fraud to sign off these packages as suitable when they're absolutely, it's impossible that they were. 
Um, and then we heard from other witnesses, and, and I would agree, they don't do the things that they were intended to do. They don't protect you from infection or replication of the virus in airway or transmission. And I also am coming to the conclusion, looking at medical statistics, um, statisticians analysing the data, I'm afraid it looks like what you see in the public domain is almost certainly data fraud at the country level. So in other words, you're being lied to even then about, about what these products actually do. Um, I've got, I guess, what I've listed as critical miscellany. That is, there's a group of other things I couldn't quite uh, uh, make out into a separate item. It was never appropriate, although Bill Gates said it was, you will remember, the world won't return to normal, he said, smiling, until we pretty much vaccinated the whole planet. Uh, well, uh, the only people you, you would want to, assuming this was an appropriate route to protect people, and it wasn't, you would only want to protect the people who are at severe risk of, of harms if they're getting infected. And that would be people who are elderly, older than me, and ill, three, four concomitant morbidities, other diseases that are life-shortening. So why would you want to vaccinate the whole planet? Even if this worked, and even if it was completely safe, you would not do it, even down to the issue of money and medical resources applied to unnecessarily injecting you know, more than once billions of people who are not at risk at all. So something is seriously wrong there. I'm, I'm mentioning it because... People think it's an appropriate thing to do, and it's absolutely not. We've learned recently that people who uh, have had certain viral diseases, it's probably been known and I never knew it, uh, that if you survive certain viral diseases in childhood, it's associated with reduced chronic diseases in later adulthood, including certain cancers. So it is not, as suggested by the media, always desirable to uh, ev evade or avoid infection. Honestly, if you're a young, healthy person, you're not at any meaningful risk of severe outcomes. And if anything, I suspect that getting the lifetime immunity from this particular uh, rather bland virus for young people is, is, a, is actually slightly positive. And so it would be inappropriate. So why were they wanting to vaccinate every human being on the planet? Well, those of you who have been looking at this for a couple of years will know it's got nothing to do with public health. But again, it's this control grid idea. So that was that one. Um, yes, just quick, quickly, if mass vaccination policies were really about public health, I'll just give you three quick examples of the kind of people you wouldn't vaccinate. Uh, one is if you've had the disease already and recovered, uh, uh, as that um, um, anaesthetist in the NHS, Steve, Steve James, I think his name is, he was arguing with the UK Health Secretary, Mr Javid, uh, saying, I'm not going to be vaccinated, amongst other reasons, I'm already immune having been infected. So it's a dangerous thing to do. It's not, oh, well, maybe you'll give them more protection. No, it's a dangerous thing if they already have immunity to the virus, including to the spike protein. What do you think is going to happen if you introduce, introduce into their body a gene sequence that will manufacture large quantities of the thing they're already immune to? Well, they'll get hyperimmune responses, it may kill them. Um, so it's hopelessly, it's a stupid thing to do. It's reckless and unnecessary uh, since they're already protected by their own immunity to vaccinate people who have been infected and recovered. And by now, if it really is as contagious as they say, uh, after two years, 
who would not have encountered this virus by now? So it's over. Uh, it, uh, so, you know, we shouldn't be chasing people who are already immune. The second class are people who are young and healthy, uh, probably anybody under 60, but certainly where it comes to children, it's, again, it's just completely nightmarish that you would want to inject them. There's no, there's no, they're not at any risk. And so the, the, the risk versus benefit, it, it can never be other than negative. You will harm and kill children and save none of them. And the third group, I'm very passionate about this because I've followed the research myself, pregnant women. Uh, as I've said this before, since, since 1960 and thalidomide, everybody in the pharmaceutical industry, every healthcare professional, and I would say every pregnant woman knows that you don't take anything you can possibly avoid. And if you have to take something, you really want to do the research and make sure it's proven safe in pregnancy. Have they done full reproductive toxicology with these gene-based products? No. Uh, and yet you will have heard your government tell you that it's entirely safe. One, they don't know. Two, they can't know because the studies haven't been done. And three, we know from history never to do this. So the fact they're doing it, those three reasons, I think, are absolutely solid examples of why this cannot be about public health. Um, similarly, I won't spend any time on it, but the, you know, the boosters, again, it, uh, it's, in, it's completely immunologically mad to just keep injecting and injecting and injecting. If you've not got an adequate immune response after one or at most two doses, forget about it. Uh, that, that, so that's another piece of fraud whose reasons I don't really understand. Um, and then just uh, finally, a few things. Four warnings. We are not, this people on this call giving evidence, we're not um, being wise after the event. Uh, Dr. Wolfgang Vodarg and I, as long ago as December 2020, before any of these products had even emergency authorization, were concerned just based on the design of them. And we wrote what turned out to be, I guess, the first full scientific critique and, and concerns. Um, there was no reply from the European Medicines Agency to this petition, but instead all that happened is that the two of us became, uh, you know, attacked by, you know, smear artists and censorship. So we did try and lots of people have tried. So good members of the public, ladies and gentlemen uh, of the jury of the public, know that people like me and others on this call were very concerned even before emergency authorization and have been uh, raising to the attention of the regulators and others, including media, of these problems. And the fact they didn't do anything with that information, even to say, my God, that's that's worrying, Let, let's discuss this, tells, tells you everything you need to know. That it wasn't about public health and they were not going to brook an alternative uh, view. Um, so I think I think I'm I think I'm done. Um, yeah, I think that's probably enough to I hope I've demonstrated to you that from someone experience in the process of biomedical R&D, although not vaccines, I'm not claiming that, but these, these kind of products would be the sort of thing I would work on novel chemical and biological entities. And I understand the, the research developments and somewhat the manufacturing processes very well. Uh, and none of the normal uh, processes have been followed. And as a result, they've ended up with um, products that are rushed, uh, dangerous, of poor, intrinsically poor and variable quality, and then the uh, moves to inject the population, uh, including mostly people who are not at any risk from the virus, I hope will tell you 
even if it's with horror, that this whole thing is a fraud. The entire thing is a fraud. Uh, and we have to be incredibly vigilant as I close uh, for not only uh, eventually, hopefully, prosecuting uh, the driving people in, in this crime, because it is a serious crime, but also we must stay hyper-vigilant for what else might be coming. Uh, I'll pause there and happy to take any questions if there are any. Just one quick question, because I don't know if you're going to be able to stay on this uh, much longer. If you look at the, to at the totality of the evidence as we have been, uh, as we have received it tonight, is, is there any chance that the mistakes that we've seen happened by accident? No, there's absolutely no chance, and I'll say why. That here's another example. The four leading companies that have brought forward these gene-based vaccines, so Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Moderna, and then the, the, the pairing of Pfizer and BioNTech, all four of them decided to choose the most inappropriate part of the virus uh, to make a vaccine out of. How did all four of them independently, unless, we, unless they're colluding, how did all four of them make exactly the same set of mistakes? Well, um, no, it's not possible, Reiner. They, they would put each other right. Um, they would probably come up with several different designs. If you, if you can't be first in class or, or obviously differentiated over the competition, you usually withdraw from the fight or you do something different. That's what we would, that's what I did 10 times. You know, so once you learn what the others are doing, unless you think you're faster or better or safer, you, then you either quit or you do something else. Um, but no, so all four of them brought forward a badly designed product and they made the same inverted commas mistakes. And then um, just by the way, if you start a new program, the probability you'll get to market ever is a fraction of a percent. That, but that's what's called the attrition statistics as programs move from, from your mind into the laboratory, eventually into development. The probability you'll reach the market is very low. What's the probability that all four started around the same time would succeed? I would say, you know, we could demonstrate mathematically it's, it's infinitesimally tiny. And so they didn't do any of the things that they've said they've done. Uh, so there's, uh, I'm afraid there is uh, whatever collusion, conspiracy between uh, the drug companies, the regulators and the, and the people uh, allowing them to move forward. So, no, it can't possibly be a mistake. Thank you very much, Mike. I think we're very rapidly moving into RICO territory right now. Thank you very much, Mike. Okay, my great pleasure. Thank you, Anna and Anything of real quality, anything of lasting durability, anything that's really satisfying and empowering and fulfilling is gonna be hard to attain. And when it comes to information, boy, is that true today. We see the entire global corrupt anti-human depopulation, Great Reset Combine, trying to collapse our society to build on its ashes their, their transhumanist nightmare vision, suppressing the voices of good people all around the world and of doctors and scientists and engineers that are exposing all their lies, their COVID hysteria, their world's gonna end in 2030, carbon tax, global warming bull, all of it. And none of it can succeed. None of it can actually be carried out unless everybody is silenced and gaslit. 
That's why truth comes with hard work and with research and with diligence. And that's why it's hard to share InfoWars links and band out video links. That's why we've got to share them now more than ever.